2: All right, well, I guess uh, we're back at a few points from perfect. I have to keep reading the title as I say it. <laughs> I but eventually I'll get this down pat. It's such
3: a catchy title, but for some reason it's so hard to remember. To remember yeah. right? It's going it, to end up being like does Man that. Does that mean it's not scenes. a
2: good title? Oh, it's a fantastic title. It's going to be like Man Behind the Scenes. It's going to have to be abbreviated. Yeah, yeah. It's uh,
3: AFPFP. <laughs> Can we just go with AFPF? We're getting off subject already. We have <laughs> started. We're good at this. All right, so what, what are we going to discuss today? Uh, the notebook
2: in front of us says that we're going to talk about the lifestyles of a small business owner. And the word I wrote after that is poor. <laughs> you said poor and time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that you're not poor and you have
3: tons of time. No, that, that's probably one of the biggest myths. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit. That's got to be one of the biggest myths of being a business owner is you're automatically rich. And everybody seems to think it. And what I find interesting, too, is
2: other business owners tend to think that.
3: Oh, well, they, get, they must know something we don't. I because. guess. I mean, I,
2: I kind of do both. I have a few businesses. They're kind of idle at the moment. Uh, they've never been to the scale that you're at. And I also <laughs> have a 9
3: to 5. So if we showed a line graph at the scale of I'm at, it'd go up, 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 plateau, down, 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 up a little bit. Yeah. And then it just dives so the way I'm at So yours is kind
2: of like an airplane running out of fuel.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's like, oh, we're going to make it till we're not going to make it So yeah. we
2: might make it. We have hope. In... Which is better than my line graph, because my
3: line graph would be my, my airplane's a crop duster right now. Like, we're hanging over. We're scraping the leaves. <laughs> well, mine's a submarine.
2: <laughs> it left
3: port here, and then it's gone down ever since. So, I guess we should start off, uh, what qualifies us to talk about this? Uh, we have two microphones and a, a mixer board. Yeah, and a camera. Very <laughs> right, well, that just means we're smart enough to set two up well, you're smart enough to have two <laughs> microphones and a camera. I'm just not smart enough to shut up. <laughs>
2: no, uh I think you've you've got some certain qualifications as a small business owner and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the side of the fence here as a nine to fiver.
3: All right, so I'm I'm gonna be uh you're going to be the guy that has all the comments about us business owners? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm going to be the one that tells you how rich you are. Oh, this could be fun. I don't like my side already. I know. I, I got <laughs> to. Boy, it's going to be fun. So first off, I want to say I've been self-employed for 15, 16 years. I've been dabbling, operating my own businesses for about 25 years. I, probably even longer than that. I'm, I'm 40 years old, mm-hmm. and my first official business was plowing snow in about the 7th grade. Okay. Uh, and then I started mowing grass for cemeteries and doing odd jobs here and there with a the little 655, uh, tractor. So I wouldn't call them official businesses or self-employed, but I've been, I guess
2: that's a good thing to, 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 uh, identify right now would be the difference between somebody who has a business card mm-hmm. that they paid 50 bucks for. One of my businesses was actually making business cards <laughs> and, uh, that's a true story. And, um, Somebody who goes through the, the motions of becoming either incorporated or uh, established? Yeah, there's
3: a big, um, um, we always used to call them the, uh, like whenever I was in the construction industry, the toolbox carpenter. You know, the guy throws right. a toolbox in the back of his truck, calls himself a carpenter, and goes and starts competing with you. And it works for cash. Right. There's a big difference legally and financially and, and from a tax standpoint between that guy. There's also a big difference from somebody, say, on my side as a consumer. That is very true, and a lot of people don't realize that they're they're not as protected as they are from it's, a guy that's licensed, bonded, and insured.
2: It's an inspe- a very expensive lesson.
3: <laughs> yes, I know a few people who've learned that lesson. <laughs> I have not personally. So th- there is a big there is a big difference from a guy that has a hobby uh, that that may do may have a, a tractor and grades driveways on the side, or may have a bandsaw yeah. and makes wood products on the side,
2: and they might be good at it. Yeah, they might be excellent yeah. at
3: it versus a guy that makes a living doing it. That's how he feeds his family. That's right. not his extracurricular money. Right. That's how he goes about feeding his family and his livelihood. And
2: in fairness, he may be bad at it. This is true, but yeah.
3: he... But that, that really shouldn't be
2: a differentiation here uh, in the context that we're using. Because I know there's going to be a lot of people that say, well, my uncle... Jim Bob does this on the side. Yeah, and, so he's in business. Yeah, and he's never done this. He's never a, done wrong a day
3: in his life. That's a hard, that's a hard line to describe. That's a very gray, crooked line. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. And everybody, including myself, you got to start off there. Oh, absolutely. You got to start off there and work your way up. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about those people. I'm not looking no. down on those people. Oh, absolutely. Not. I was there. That's how I got started. That's how I worked my way up to where I'm at now. And, uh, and we'll get to that but a little bit, but you know, I haven't always been self-employed. I, growing up as a kid, I, I did work at the bowling alley for my aunt and uncle. I worked at a tire shop. I worked a few different places. I had, uh, I show up, I work X hours, you pay me X dollars, I go home. Right. We'll call that the nine to five job. I would consider that the nine to five, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, so I went off to college. Remember, I went off to college. I actually worked for a large corporation. I worked for Lowe's uh started off there in the home decor department if you want to know a little tidbit <laughs> i'm sure your expertise was utilized one mini blind cutting <laughs> fool let me tell you that little <laughs> mini blind cutting machine all the housewives wanted me to cut their blinds because they were right
2: oh yeah oh yeah perfect
3: Yeah, well, well, they weren't perfect back then, but they would be now. (laughs) Close enough. Anyways, yeah, I'm going to get off subject here a little bit, but uh, I went to college with three guys I graduated with and four people roomed together, so Mm -hmm. we had a non-guy that showed up. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I hope this guy's cool. Because the three guys I went from school with, I'm like, yeah, we're kind of friends. But this can get old real quick. Right. Thank goodness the guy that was uh, – I'm still better friends with him today than the <laughs> other ones. Than the me, and him, me and him are just a lot alike. And you came together on your love of mini blinds? Yeah. Well, we went into we – in, I didn't know the guy real well. We went into Lowe's. Of course, this was uh, 2000, 2000, I guess is when it was. And uh, everybody – the big thing back then was everybody worked at UPS. Okay. And it was a night shift job, and it was just uh, really labor-intensive, and not that I looked down on it, but I wanted to come home on the weekends, because I still worked at the and I and I was doing jobs back here. Right. So I wanted the option. I went to college about two and a half hours from here, so I wanted the option to come home on the weekends. And uh, so we were trying to find, and Aaron was the same way. He did stuff back home on the farm. He wanted to get back home on the farm. Mm-hmm. So we tried to find a job where we had weekends off, and that's hard to do. So yeah. anyways, we kept going to this Lowe's and just kept pestering and pestering and pestering. we're like, listen, we will work as many hours as you want us to from the hours of 3 until 6 in the mornings. That's when we were off school. Mm-hmm. And we will work uh, Monday through Thursday. We need, you know, Friday. Right. So finally, we went there enough times they, they said, okay, you guys got the job. We'll try it, you know. And uh, they had two openings, one in paint and one home decor. And Aaron goes, paint. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> son of a... <laughs> like, Man, I should have been faster on the draw on that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, me and Aaron were a lot alike. And, and we just kind of took the bull by the horns. And, and we just jumped in and did whatever needed to be done. Right. And after about six months of this, I was manager of receiving. And they, they scheduled all their trucks for night shift. We were in charge of them unloading. It worked out. It worked out great. The whole purpose of that story was is that was a nine-to-five job I had. Right. I left college. Just the wrong nine to the wrong five. Exactly. But so yeah. uh, I left. And, and believe it or not, whenever I worked at Lowe's, uh, they, whenever I graduated and was leaving, they have, actually gave me a few pretty good job opportunities. But I knew that I was not a corporate guy. Right. I did not want to be a number on a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also smart enough to know at that time in my life that I could make a lot more money doing that. But that's not what I wanted to do. It wasn't about the money. It's about doing what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And we could have a whole other conversation about the corporate world and how the corporate world works. And And I probably will in a different episode. And I... I, I got family that deals in the in the corporate world and on a very high level. I mean, I have family that's worked directly for Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. And I fully understand how the corporate world works, and mm-hmm. I fully understood I wanted no part of it. Even if, if the corporate world, if you guaranteed me I could go work in the corporate world for five years and make a million dollars, and I, or you gave me the option to go be self-employed, and I may have $5,000 in my name after it's all said and done, I'd take self-employed every day of the week. So what you're saying is that uh, a man's happiness
2: or a woman's happiness has to play a, a role in their decision, yeah. of Which path that they might want to yeah, take. Yeah. Well,
3: I I like to own what I do. If I'm successful, I'm going to take credit for it. Mm-hmm. If I fail, I'm going to take responsibility for it. Right. If um, I know people in the corporate world that simply got fired for doing too good a job.
2: Okay, I'm familiar with such things.
3: And how does that that don't make sense to me? Right. That that don't. In, in in the corporate world, one position changes on the, the chain of command or one rule changes in HR, everything you've done for the last five years is for naught. It's right. not what have you done the last five years. It's what did you do last week. So basically, you like the ability of
2: being in control of your own success. Exactly. Within And, reason. I,
3: and I'd like to add, you know me pretty well. I do not consider myself a control freak.
2: No. No, and I think – that's definitely something to be said and that was going through my head as you were describing this is that there's a difference between being a control freak in control micromanaging of every minute detail of anything you can possibly get your hands on and there's another way to define it as
3: being responsible for your own uh, success I, I, the, or the only thing I want to be in control of is my own happiness is destiny and I am NOT a materialistic guy if you guys watch me on YouTube I don't have new equipment. I don't have new paint. I don't have the newest tools. I don't right. need the newest stuff. Everything, right. but you know what? Put me up against a guy with new paint, and I'll do the exact same job. Probably better, cause you won't break down from def. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. That right. sure is. <laughs> so it's not a. It's not as you know. Nothing in life's ever been a status symbol to me. I, mm-hmm. I, I that don't mean crap to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just want to be a, known as the guy. That does what he says he's going to do and does a good job at it. Right. That's probably my my ultimate goal in life. So, uh, anyways, I was at Lowe's. So, Mm -hmm. to get back to my story, I was at Lowe's, uh, basically worked there almost two years. Um, Great job, great company. I mean, I met a lot of good people there. Ended up being a really good college job. I mean, it was a good experience. I got experience there. We talked about in the last podcast how important experience is. Right. I I took experience away from Lowe's that I still use today um, and got opportunities. Whenever I graduated college as we spoke in the last one, I went to the dealership uh, started in at nights worked there 18 20 months that was uh, my first time working salary okay learned a lot about salary big difference uh, I'm the type of guy even to this even to this day if it needs to be done I just do it or, or find somebody to do it I just make it happen right um, so there was whenever I worked at the dealership um, it was around 2011. And my service manager at the time, keep in mind, I just got promoted to assistant service manager. My service manager at the time, his son was in the service. I don't want to go into a bunch of details about this, but his son was in the service. He was having a hard time with it, so he kind of washed his hands a lot of the day-to-day operations. I'm assistant service manager. I'm I'm young. I'm ambitious. I'm eager. So I I just jump right in and start taking over all these tasks. Right. And um, had close to 70 guys in the shop working underneath me. Well, I haven't been there for years. I'm 22 years old. So I'm trying to build relationships with the guys in the shop. We're trying to build relationships with customers. And I'm in way over my head on a lot of this stuff. And I'm just, you know, head down, figure it out. So you're walking a really fine line
2: at this point between ambition and arrogance. Being 22 years old, walking on here. I
3: wouldn't say I was ever arrogant. I was. Uh,
2: I guess let me rephrase that. You're walking a line where you had the opportunity to be arrogant. Because you're technically
3: in charge. You're the boss. Yeah.
2: But there's also a certain level of respect that has to be handed out. Oh, I
3: had uh, – I was very honest with the guys in the shop. There was some mechanics that had been there for 30, 40 years, and they didn't want no part of this young punk walking in there. Right. And I understood that. I got that. And I kind of just went one-on-one and built a relationship with them. Hey, what do you like working on? What's your strong suit? What, right. You know, what – you've worked here long enough tell me what your you know, let's figure this out you know I can't play favorites yeah you may have to work on a garbage truck one day but if you like doing engines if I can I'll send you every engine I can but you also got to understand if I send you a garbage truck
2: it's not because I'm doing it to give somebody right. else the engine it's, I don't it's have the because it's because
3: that's what has to right. be done that day and uh, you know what through the it was it was an awesome experience it, it, that's probably where I learned my most about management mm-hmm. and and uh, Whenever I left there, some of those guys that didn't want nothing to do with me, they were my biggest fan. Right. I mean, they were um, they are the guys that went to bat for me to stay. Um, they, they had a tremendous amount of respect for me, and I had a tremendous amount of respect for them. And we had a very good working relationship. But my point of this story is, is here I am driving an hour to work, getting paid a salary that basically, basically equaled $12 an hour mm-hmm. for 40 hours working 60, 70 hours a week and then driving an hour home, Right. Um, 21 years old, running a shop that, uh, you know, 70-plus employees. We, we did a lot down there. I'm not, I don't want to sound like I did at all. I mean, I had an awesome secretary. I had an awesome warranty guy. There was an awesome group of people there with us. But, but you understood what that shop did weekly
2: right. as far as revenue. Yeah. And you also probably understood about what it put out. Yes, and you saw where you fell in on that level,
3: and you know one good feeling is whenever, especially larger customers, they come in, they don't want to talk to anybody but you. Right, you know that's kind of it's like a good annoying. feeling. Yeah. So, but that was uh, that 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 turned into a toxic relationship. Um, that's um, there's a lot of different things to discuss there. Uh, Johnny, the service manager, and his issues with his son and, and some warranty issues going on with Mac and me kind of getting tossed around in a few different places there. Um, the They were never going to give me the official service manager job because I was too young, even though I was still doing it. Right. Um, I had no desire to go work on the floor at that point. Right. Uh, I just didn't really see... I will say this. One other thing I noticed, you know, being an assistant service manager, I knew what everybody in that shop made. Mm-hmm. I seen what the guy working there for 22 years had made. Yeah. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. that's not, I'm not sticking around for 22 years for that. I, no, 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 no. Right. Um, so uh, there's a lot of different things that fed into that decision. I decided to leave there. I went back to work for the contractor I worked for previously. Um, I mean, I went – I went working 15 minutes down the road making six more dollars on the hour with a company truck. Right. And like no responsibility other than, hey, go frame that wall. Mm-hmm. Now, as that job progressed, I ended up doing, you know, $100,000 McDonald's remodels. But right. The whole purpose of this is not to go back and rehash the work history, but before I was self-employed, I felt like I had my fair share of different varieties of nine-to-five jobs. Right. So you tested the waters a little bit. And you and, kinda of realize it's And age and might from the previous from podcast whenever we spoke, I I was always said I felt like I had myself in training. I felt like I had myself in training to be self-employed. And I understood that I needed to get some of this experience before I just jumped in with both feet and did it. Right. So uh, fast forward, uh, worked at the, the the contractor for a few years, had the opportunity to get, get out of my own and go go self employed and, and to get into the I always say being self-employed is a lifestyle. Yeah. So with the slight exception of working at the dealership where I was salarying and in charge of stuff, I worked at the bowling alley, remember I clocked out, me and my friends went and hung out. Right. We went and did whatever we wanted to do. Yeah. You At that point, you leave your responsibility at the door. Yeah. Whenever I worked at Lowe's, we clocked out, never got a phone call, my job was done, mm-hmm. they sent me a paycheck, life goes on, I can budget money, I know exactly right. what each one's going to pay me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I work x amount of hours, they're going to pay me x amount of money. Dollar, yeah, you know, um, working for Bernie was a little bit different because I was a little bit in control of my hours, but it was still the same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, if the customer called me with my problem, I called my boss and told him. Well, they called Bernie, which was the owner of the company, and say, right. "Hey, you make the decision what do you want <laughs> to do." Took the problem you... and dropped it on his lap. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and it's uh, it so. There's a lot to be said about that, and, and Jenna, my wife, um, before we ever got married, I was very open with her about being self-employed, and I was trying to prepare her for what that was. Right. Because, again, everybody on my mom's side of the family self-employed. I've seen how it worked. I've mm-hmm. seen what it was. I, I knew what it took to, right. to be successful at it. So, you know, I'm preparing her for, you know... My, what that means. What that means, yeah. and I... She understands it now... She didn't have a clue back then.
1: <laughs> right.
2: And most people don't, and it's not like, not your wife, not wives that don't understand it. Most people don't realize, and I use this term generally, how glorious it is to get a phone call at 9 o'clock at night or, you know, you can't pawn that off to someone else.
3: Nope. And it, and that, and if they call you at 9 o'clock at night, I can almost guarantee it's not to tell you you did a good job. Right. It's...
2: There's an issue. There's Either a Either you're going to hear, you're going to get a headache from that phone call, or you're going to get
3: up because you've got to go do something. Right. And, for example, like when we were building houses, um, you know, we'd have three or four houses built, we'd build 100 houses. I mean, that's, that was just, it was normal for us to be building houses. Right. But i got to take myself back and realize the person I'm building a house for, well, they're investing their life savings in this. So, yeah. So what's a, what's a big deal to us? And what's not a big deal to us is a huge deal to them. Yeah. So you've got to give respect to that. You just right. can't blow them off. you got to make them feel comfortable about what's going on. And nine times out of ten, nothing's wrong. They just don't understand what's going on. Yeah, and they want to because you're talking about a number with a lot of digits in yeah, it. Yeah, which, I mean, they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you got to take time out of your day to do that. Right. And
2: every, every bit of time that you're spending on the phone – explaining something or answering a question or putting a fire out is time I, that you could be
3: i have said this so many times the easiest part about being self-employed is actually doing the job itself it's all the other stuff that goes along with it i'd agree with that is um is challenging so let's just kind of go down through the list of what it takes to be self-employed okay um loosely so before you ever before you ever show up on the job site even if you just have a shovel
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
3: to do a job. There's a lot of things that have to be in place to make that happen. So first off, like in our county for example, if you're going to be a contractor you got to be licensed. Okay. So, uh, which here's pretty simple. It's a couple tests and some fees and your your license. So it's not free? It's not free. Mm -hmm. Um, We're pretty fortunate where we're at that it's not a big deal. Um, Five or six counties down, I'll never work in that county because it costs thousands and thousands of dollars, and there's all kinds of liability that goes with it, and I got enough work here, I'm not going to mess with it. Right. The contractors that go through the trouble to be licensed there, they charge a premium.
1: For good
3: reason. For, well. For justifiable reasons. For justifiable reasons. Yeah. Um, so then you got to, if you're going to have a firewall between your family and your assets, you're going to need some sort of legal business, whether it's an S-Corp or an LLC or a sole proprietorship um, corporation, corporation. Yep. Uh, so now you got a lawyer involved,
2: right? And there's there's legal fees to not only acquire these things, but to get to the process of actually applying for them.
3: And you got to do research to understand which each one of them means, which right. one's best for your situation. Um, because I, this could really
2: adversely affect you in the future when it comes time to pay Uncle Sam his cut. Yes. Yes. Because that's a big difference not to cut you off, but going back. Real quick to your what you had said about Lowe's and everything, but you got a paycheck that you knew what it was going to be. They were also kind enough to give you the option to withhold the taxes
1: for you.
3: So, all right, so now you got an official business. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully your business makes money. Hopefully. At the very least, least, you're going to have a lot of money coming and going. You've got to keep track of that, so now you need an accountant. Right. And QuickBooks
2: Uh, can do that. It's a program that, you know. I will be
3: the first one to admit I've been in business 15 years and I don't have, I don't know the first thing about QuickBooks. That is foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, I understand P&L's, you know, gross versus net.
2: P&L being profit and loss. Profit and loss,
3: you know, um, return on investments and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But as far as being able to enter that and how QuickBooks works, I could probably produce an invoice, but that's about the extent of my P&L. Right i extending my QuickBooks knowledge. So um, I, I hire a secretary or I hire an accountant to do that. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's a pretty crucial step that I think. It's,
2: it's overlooked for sure.
3: Yeah, and what happens a lot of times is, is people get in there over their head too quick. Yeah. Uh, before, because uh, the second year I was in business, I had a, I had a really good year. And to your point. I didn't know I had a good year until the end of the year. Next thing I know, I owe Uncle Sam eighteen thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, which actually meant that you did fairly well. Well, yeah, but I,
3: I done spent my eighteen thousand dollars on my new truck. Right. So here I am borrowing money, and you you can't just send a spare
2: key off in an envelope and say here no. you can use it <laughs> sometimes, and I'll use it sometimes.
3: No, Uncle Sam, just go stay on that title there for a while. We'll be we'll be back to you later. You yeah, no, yeah. that don't work that. It like doesn't it.
2: work that way. It's it's funny that way.
3: So. That, you know, that was a learning experience to what you were saying is, you know, Lowe's and all them, they just did that for me. Right. Okay, so now we um, –
2: And they may not have done it correctly, like perfectly correctly. You might have owed a little bit or you might actually have gotten something back come tax return times, but you probably didn't owe $18,000. Right. I had no you know? clue.
3: I I knew I had a good year. I wasn't a complete idiot. I'm thinking, ah, oh, 3500 bucks. you know, we can cough that up if we need to. Yeah. $18,000, that's uh, for a guy starting off and – you know, cash flow crunches. Yeah. And
2: oh, and by the way, you need to come up with this in two months.
3: Yeah, you will. of course, everybody should to last minute to do their taxes, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So you follow them. I need that in 14 days, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> where can I go make $1,200 a day? <laughs> and it, and it's, it's the middle of winter, and I'm in the excavating business, like I'm bleeding money right now. Right. I'm, come on, where's the sunshine? Where's the sunshine? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, if I could just do one more septic system. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, so now we got... Um, now we got uh, now we got our accountants, we're kind of we're kind of getting the business planning, yeah we're get, getting our business pieces in place, right, so we're um, not
2: actually out. Making, we're still not
3: making business. We're still right? not doing business yet. We're, uh, we're in the preliminary steps. So, somewhere in this, you're going to need capital, right? You're going to need some money to get started. Right. And before, you, before anybody's ever going to give you money, you're going to probably need a business plan.
2: Well, probably what I would recommend doing would be pass and go a whole bunch of times before you make any investment. Well, it's I've tried to,
3: like to play it. I tried to play life like Monopoly, and yeah. I just can't find all the pieces. Yeah,
2: that's the problem.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Boardwalk. Where's I, I guess with, you never
2: build a hotel. That's probably your problem. Yeah, I guess. You build a whole a,
3: lot of houses. I, yeah. <laughs> so... You're gonna need. You're gonna have to have a plan. I mean, it can be a simple plan. You know, I'm gonna mount tires on rims. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need this machine to do it. And believe it or not, that's actually an acceptable business. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, yeah. it, it, people say business plan and they think um, something that's 15 pages long written by a lawyer. Right. That's not. The it can case. be written
2: on the back of a napkin.
3: That's not the case at all. My my first business plan was probably I need to buy. A mini excavator. I need to buy some ICF braces. And I did the math, and I realized I needed to do two basements a year to make payments on that. Mm-hmm. So if I can get a third basement in there, woohoo, I'm making money now. So, so so essentially that is the equation of business
2: is I need to spend this much money to make this much money so that I can do more in a time frame to actually walk away with yeah. some
3: money. My, my biggest thing is the way I look at it is whenever I go to make an investment is – What's the minimum amount of work I got to do to pay for it? Right. So if I can buy a new Traco and work it 100 dollars a year and make payments on it, and I know I operate that machine 800 dollars a year, mm-hmm. that's
2: 700 hours that are billable for profit. 700
3: hours that are billable for profit. Yeah. Now, if I buy a new Traco and I have to work at 700 dollars a year and only 100 dollars a year is billable, that's not going to work.
1: Right. That's what we. And everybody it to goes about it. You know,
3: you say tomato, I say tomato, potato, yeah. potato. Everybody. Talks to they all talk their own thing. I do it the way that would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. My business partner I used to have—he went to IU and he used all the fancy terms—and I'm like, same thing I just said. He's like, no, not really. I'm like, it is.
1: Yeah. You know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of us is still in business and the other one isn't. So you tell me. he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, that's so. Uh, the, the purpose of this, so now so now you need money, you need capital, you need a business plan to get that, and you can't even apply for a lot of this stuff until you got them other ones in check. You know right. what I mean?
2: And nowadays, I mean, because this is actually something that I ran into many times, it's really hard to get capital to start a business yes. because you can't show income
3: right from the business. Yes, that's and that's getting more and more difficult, and yeah. the residential interest rates they always advertise are
2: nowhere near no
3: commercial side you're going to get sticker shock you might as well take them about times two and a half or three yeah
2: i was gonna say three
3: um it's a whole different ball game over on the commercial side um so now we've been working i'm just gonna go i'm going back and referring to whatever i was starting in business right i've been at this now for two and a half three months and i still haven't done anything Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because you spent a lot of money i spent a lot of money i spent a lot of time but i still haven't I'm, I'm, I'm in the hole. machine's I, still in the shop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm still in the hole. So once you get, uh, once you get, once you kind of get your business plan know what you're going to do, well, the next step is now you need to get jobs, right? Yeah. And. They help. Yeah. Jobs definitely help. Now, some people charge for estimates. I never have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you kind of got to do with what your territory does. Nobody around right. right here really charges for estimates. So I don't charge for estimates and I don't really see a purpose of charging estimates
2: around where i am so southeastern pennsylvania a lot of the guys that i was competing with and i did very small excavation um they would charge you an estimate however they would credit it towards your bill if you went with them and i didn't like that
3: i i i I venture into that world a little bit on septic systems because they're so in-depth and i actually got to put money out for a soil scientist yeah so i'm going to charge you five hundred dollars if you don't put the system in I bid, I'm gonna charge you $500. If you decide to have me put it in later, I'll take it off your bill. That's right. about the only exception to my rule. Right. I was, goes, I'm
2: talking about doing above ground pool. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, uh, it's, uh,
3: Which, I it's. I've I've done very different. I've done several different scenarios of this over the years, and and uh, we can maybe cover that at some point. Uh, what I got going now through 15 years of experience seems to be working the best. Mm-hmm. But um, so. Getting back to this lifestyle of being self-employed, so I started off um, whenever I was working for Bernie, I told him what I was going to do. So I'd get a basement job, I'd take off for two or three weeks, I'd go do it, then I wouldn't have nothing, I'd go back to work for Bernie. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I'd pick up another job, go do it, I'd go back to work for Bernie. I was very, very, very fortunate that he was
1: well, that,
3: yeah, right. willing to work with me on that. Right. I did that for about six, eight months, and then I finally got my lend and my first house contract, and that's whenever I said, "All right, it's time to, it's time to commit to this." Right. And the best way I know to describe a business is, uh, is it's like a, a child of yours. Yeah. You're going to nurture it, you're going to feed it, you're going to give it all the attention it needs to keep it to survive because because a business is a monster. Mm-hmm. And the bigger it gets, the hunger it gets.
2: Yeah, and it tends to eat capital and time.
3: And time. So there's um, just like a kid pulling at your tail, saying they want to go play ball, your business is over here pulling at your tail, saying, hey, this needs attention and that customer needs attention or this machine's broke or, right. or this going on. So, I mean... That's the best way I know to and you, and you can't you can't send a business to its room tell it to go sit there for I mean you know what I right. mean it's well so as
2: a business owner you get paid time off what's that uh, that's like when your wife wants to go on vacation with the kids and um, you still need to keep income coming in
3: I get paid time off but it's not my choice it's usually cuz it rained right which is unscheduled
2: so you you plan vacations often then <laughs> Speaking, we're doing this podcast while your wife and kids are on vacation. Yeah,
3: because it's that time of year. It's, it's busy time. That's a struggle we got, and we, we can jump forward do that. That's a struggle we got because my wife's a teacher. Mm-hmm. So she's off work in the summertime. And you're busy. That's, that's my go, 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 go time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, late- was
2: five goes for those paying attention.
3: <laughs> so late December into about the first of March, mm-hmm. that's my downtime. Well, that's the middle of of school season. She's, right. she's go, 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 go.
2: Which is only four goes.
3: Yeah, she don't have as much go as I do. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's go travel. Let's go do some stuff. And she's like, no. I... So that's been...
2: Right. And that's something that I think a lot of people need to consider too.
3: Yeah. Because it's, it's not a lifestyle for everybody. And there's nothing
2: wrong with it if it's not a lifestyle for you.
3: No, it's not for everybody. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been days where stuff just hasn't went right. And, you know, the bank account's low and stuff's broke down. Jobs aren't getting done. Customers aren't happy. And you're like... I just go to Mulder's and drive a haul truck today and come home and sit on the couch. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, again, it's not in my blood. It's not the life I want right. to life I want to live. So you get kind of building back into it a little bit. You know, so now now your business is rolling. Mm-hmm. So you're you're doing jobs, and then as you're doing jobs, your phone's ringing for people wanting you to come look at jobs. Right. So then you got to stop doing what you're doing to make money, and go look at these jobs that. I'd say best-case scenario or a 30%, 70% chance you're going to do.
2: It may or may not work out. Right. Generally speaking, they usually don't.
3: That's why why a lot of contractors, as they get going and they get a list of customers, like for me, it's farmers. I pretty much know within reason if Chris Temple calls and wants me to come look at a job, 90% chance I'm going to do it. And if I don't do it, it's probably because he decides not to do it.
2: Right. He's not going to just... Get an estimate from you to pawn it off on someone you know, else
3: versus Joe Blow that calls once we build a road through the woods and he's got five other contractors looking at it and right. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm so busy I don't have time to go out there and right. I'll, I'll, you know, a lot of times in that case I'll just shoot a shoot a. Uh, this is the neighborhood you're going to be in. Yeah. If you like that neighborhood, give me a week or two and I'll come out there and get more precise. Whenever you get a rain day or something like this,
1: you go out. And, I'll go out
3: there and do it right and. The, my first two years in business, you know, it, it went pretty crazy, and I didn't have, I couldn't manage that time right, I, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I had, I did not enjoy the estimates, I did not enjoy the paperwork, and I enjoyed doing the work, and I was making people mad, and I, I was spread too thin, right, uh, I'd leave the house at six o'clock in the morning, I'd get home at seven o'clock at night, and at this time, we didn't have any kids, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is, this is not going to work. This is right. not going to fly. Something, so, something
2: needs to change here.
3: And, and that's where we uh, went into the business partner, and then I'm back out of the partnership now. And uh, basically now I, I pay a salesman on commission, mm-hmm. is, uh, which he, he gets paid good. So if he lands a job, he gets paid good. Right. But he probably only gets every fifth job he bids. Right. But I'm working making money every day. And he does such a good job that I just answer a few phone calls, and he can pretty much get a bid pretty close. He calls me; I can have my earbuds in while I'm running the track. Yes, yeah, and
2: he's calling you. It's not like the customer, right? Calling and he's you.
3: whenever he calls me, he is maximizing time on the phone. We're not; right. he's not. We're not playing what we call Dreamland of right. You know, this tree over here. or What if we go up through here? Or right. having it's.
2: He gets to play Dreamland with the customer. Yeah, he,
3: he's, he's, he's like, I think we need this machine for six hours, that machine for six hours. We're moving this many yards of dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why I think the dump truck's not going to work. And we need the 850 in there. Right. And I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then every once in a while, there'll be a job. I'm like, well, let me just go look at it together. And I'll make time to go out there and look at it together. Because right. at the end of the day, it's my butt on the line, not, right. not here. Right. And there's something to
2: be said that I think you are fortunate in a sense that you have found... Yes, your salesman, and he—you can trust his judgment on a lot of things.
3: There, I would be just as busy as what I am now without him. Right, but the—I'd w- be able to. He probably allows me to do a third more jobs, mm-hmm. and those third more jobs are, are pretty high end jobs. Right, so they're they're cream of the crop jobs. Mm-hmm. The ones that the, the cream of the crop jobs, and they require you to put more effort in as far as looking at them and bidding them and. Stuff like that, and it is hard. It's hard for me to find time to do that because Mm -hmm. if you're you're out there trying to get a septic system in before it rains, and you got three people calling you wanting to go look at a job that you may or may not get, I'm gonna stay there and get the septic system finished up. I I
2: have no choice. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush.
3: Yeah, you know what I mean. And a lot of times people don't understand that; they don't get it. That's one thing I've really tried to do with the YouTube channel is show multiple sides of the business. Right. Uh, I've done a couple days in a life video, kind of showing how, you know, crazy my days are. Right. You've been around me. You've seen what my phone does. It
2: people still can't. Even I don't care how long you put that camera on. You could carry that camera, follow you around all day long, and record and post a nine-hour video. Nobody's going to get the gist of what it's like no. to have their phone ring nonstop, to not be able to complete a single thought. Yeah. I mean, we were driving earlier today having a conversation, and your phone rang three times. And each time you have to answer it, figure out what's going on, devote your attention to that, get that over with, and then try to go back to the conversation we were having. Which wasn't just a, oh, you know, how's the weather? You know, I, you know that tree is blue, or whatever. You know, we were having an actual conversation. And then, so that that right there's gotta be exhausting in itself.
3: Yeah, it's uh, and you know how diverse I am now from stadium seats to ICF to dirt work to
1: yeah, um, truck driving,
3: truck driving to uh, I sit on a couple different boards. I'm president of the community association, and playing mechanic, playing mechanic. It's uh, that's one thing that I'm doing more with the YouTube channel, and I want to do more of is just kind of show, I guess, the lifestyle of being self employed, what mm-hmm. it takes, what it entails, um, to make it to make it all work um like i said i've been at it for 15 years and to this day one of the hardest things i can do my wife does not understand she'll ask me in the morning what are you doing today and i'll tell her i have no idea all Right. i can oh. tell i can tell you where my first stop's going to be after that is game yeah. on
2: i'll let you know 15 minutes after i get into it
3: you know when well, yeah. you think you'll be home before that's a great question and right. there's been a lot of times i've been driving home thinking all right i'm gonna make it home before today I get a phone call
2: as you're pulling down the driveway. It's pulling
3: down the driveway. Or something's happening, or this happened, or that happened, or that's broke, or Clement mm-hmm. wrecked the truck, or it's. Um, you can almost guarantee it like clockwork. It's going to happen yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the last day in the life video I did, you know, the guys all quit at four. Well, my day's only half over. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd come in here and sleep the shop and start working on the one twenty and ordering parts and. Yeah, because we haven't
2: even touched base on upkeep. Maintenance, repairs, Yeah, you know, uh, even the amount of, of capital you have sitting in, in this building.
3: The, the, one, the one comment, and I don't get it very often anymore, but every once in a while, the one comment I get is whenever you show up with a machine and uh, do a 20 or 30-minute job. Let's say we dig a stump out of a person's yard. Right. And I charge them a three-hour minimum, mm-hmm. and it just blows their mind. Well, well, you're we only here for 20 minutes.
2: Trucking, fuel, insurance.
3: All the other overheads. I mean, we go, yeah. yeah. go on. Yeah, the list would be
2: quite long, because I'm trying to think in my head how in-depth do we go. Well, you have binders. Well, and
3: first off, it don't. Uh, it, I may have been on your job digging that stump out for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I probably got two and a half, three hours loading up, driving yeah, there, I mean. unloading, yeah. digging the stump out, loading back up, driving to where I'm going. Not counting, you know, we're driving a $50,000, $60,000 truck up and down the road. And that's a cheap one compared right. to a lot. And,
2: and insurance, which just keeps going up and up and up.
3: So, I, I don't get that comment a whole lot anymore, but that's one that just really, oh, it, yeah, just really, really went through me like a rusty nail. Mm-hmm. So, again, with the YouTube channel, um, I'm not saying I'm doing a good job at it, but trying to show different aspects of the business from maintenance to the time investment required to the logistics that's a time management is huge Mm -hmm. and I put time management and logistics in the same one like uh, for example now I own two excavators right Uh, I can't run two at one time but from a financial standpoint, one of them is paid for, and I've had it for years, and it does just as good as a job as the new one I got. Right. And Kleeman, which drives for me part-time, I can be on a job finishing up. He can be leapfrogging the next excavator down the road to me. So the next day, I'm not trucking. I'm not doing anything. I'm just jumping right in the next one going. He goes right. back, picks up the one I was using, leaps, frogs it ahead of me to the next job. Right. Well, you start saving five or six hours a week. Which
2: is now five or six hours a week that you can be rightfully billing out I'm a, I shouldn't say rightfully right. you can be billing more for
3: right and, and i don't charge for if i'm if i'm using the machine for more than three hours and you're within an hour of my shop i don't charge moat fees right. i charge you a three hour minimum on the machine mm-hmm. you guys can argue about that and talk whether you like it or not it, it that's what our area will stand and that's what we do right uh it's just the way it is and that's one thing nice about me mowing my own truck is it it's expensive to operate that truck but it's still cheaper Than than paying. Than hiring somebody to do it. But with the machines being there, I mean, I make money whenever I'm in there pulling joysticks. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And I don't make money driving up and down the road. I don't make money out making estimates. I mean, that can be argued that I'm going to make money in the future, but I'm not making money right then and there. Right. I need to maximize my billable hours. Right. And to maximize those billable hours, i got to have my time management, my logistics right as far as showing machines, having salesmen out there in front of me. And keeping myself on that job site making sure it's being run as efficiently as possible and I'm maximizing the billable hours that day. Uh At the end of the day, that's what has to be done to make everything work. Right. So uh, back to what my earlier statement, Jenna says, what are you going to do that day? Well, I can tell where I'm going to start today, but I don't know if I'm going to get a phone call to go move a van trailer. I don't know if I'm going to get a phone call from my buddy that there's a wreck on the interstate to go pick up. I don't know if I'm gonna get a phone call from my competitor that says, "Hey, I need your help over here on this. I'm tearing this house down; it's about to fall into the neighbor's house." Um, I mean, my days are wild. Uh-huh. I mean, they—they—I <laughs> don't know which way I'm going. It's—I right. got the best of intentions, and I got a loosely made plan every morning of what needs to be done. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, chasing fires is a good way to put it, and there's no way around it. I people, you need to schedule. You need to do this, this, that. There is. Well, you can do that.
2: You're not going to be as successful as if you don't.
3: I I firmly believe that I am successful as I am because I am very nimble. I can change directions really quick in a hurry, um, and the, and I'm very diverse.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, going back, let's go back to new equipment for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I can go buy me a hundred thousand dollar Traco that does the exact same job as my $30,000 track. right. Or I can buy a $30,000 track. and then I can buy a $10,000 loader and I can buy a $30,000 skid steer and I can go buy, you know, $40,000 dozer for the same amount of money that all do the same thing. The new stuff does. Right. I just got a few hours on them. Well, now though, look, look all the jobs I just opened myself up to. Right. Again, I'm not the guy that says, Oh, look at me. It's nice and pretty. It's like, Oh, you want that job? Then I got just a piece for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So being diverse and being nimble. You know, a lot of guys tell me all the time, I run a 120 and a 140 excavator. Oh, my God, you got to get a 160 or a 220. No. You know how much more – do you have any idea how much more money it costs to move a 220 versus a 120?
2: Well, we can dive into that real quick. So your trailer you have, is that going to hold a a 220? Okay, so you're going to need a new trailer.
3: Let's just say hypothetically, I had a truck and trailer to do it. Mm-hmm. I can let's just say I had a truck and trailer, and I'm going to move my one twenty an hour from here. I'm mm-hmm. going to move a two twenty an hour from here. Okay, and, and it's going to cost me every bit of six or seven hundred dollars right off the gate just to show up on your job site.
2: Okay, so for people who might not know exactly what we're talking about, the one twenty is actually sitting behind us. Yeah, and what does it weigh?
3: About thirty thousand
2: pounds. Okay, and uh, most trucks in the states can carry
3: 80,000 80, right
2: and what's your truck weigh empty
3: 35
2: 35 so we're looking at 35 and
3: 30,
2: 30. so we're at 65,000 pounds okay um, now what's a 220 class machine oh
3: uh, like? they're uh, I'd say 58 to 60 uh, uh, 20 be 22 metric tons whatever that works out to be okay
2: so we'll say 60,000 pounds well you said your trucks 30 mm-hmm that's 90 yep we're only allowed to move eight. Yep. So how do you accomplish that?
3: Well, you're going to have to have, an going to have an overweight permit. Okay. And then you're only going to be allowed to move when the state says you can move.
2: Okay. Now, going back, what's what's an overweight permit?
3: Uh, the, you get permission from the state. You actually pay them money mm-hmm. to be allowed to run over your legal weight of 80,000.
2: And you can just call them on the side of the road? And...
3: No. No. No, it's uh, you have to pay your secretary or, or take time out of your day instead of moving joysticks, mm-hmm. file all this paperwork. hmm and uh, then you've got to hope, and then they'll tell you which route you're going to go. I know some guys that are going 20 miles down the road, and they'll have to drive 100 miles out of the way to go around a bridge that the state says you can't cross. Right. So the logistically. And
2: there are some times where that's a good thing.
3: There is. Yeah. And, then, of course, one option around that is you get a triaxle trailer versus a tandem axle trailer, and you can move that weight mm-hmm. uh, with the actual trailer. But So now you're talking about your $50,000 piece of equipment to do it
2: which has more upkeep and maintenance
3: which has more upkeep and maintenance so now we're now now we showed up on the job let's just say hypothetically we're clearing 100 yards of creek mm-hmm. so we got the 120 on the job which cost me 700 hours less to show up right we got a 220 on the job which we're 700 in the hole to start with right
2: because we either a had to have this other capital invested in to our assets to get to the or place, pay
3: somebody else to move it right um, I'd say on a job that size I may the the 220 may get done 2 hours faster than the 120. Okay.
2: So that's two less billable hours really, but yeah, two less
3: billable hours. So at the end of the day,
2: which is not a good way to say that, I guess,
3: but at the end of the day, the profit margin on that 120 is a lot better on that than on the bigger two, machine. Yeah, but here's the real kicker. Somebody calls me and they got an emergency job and they need me right then and there. Well, I just load up and haul out. I don't have to file permits. I don't have to get special right. permission. I you don't can have to.
2: pretty much leave what you're doing. Yeah. Drop the
3: dirt and let's roll. Yeah. Let's do it.
2: Let's go. I'll be back tomorrow.
3: So, <laughs> I, and I, how many
2: times would you say that's happened to you?
3: Oh, that's how I make a killing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the I'm the go-to guy because of that uh, for oddball situations. You know, of crazy right. stuff. You, if you guys watch me on YouTube. You see me flipping semi-trailers over you've seen me out on the interstate picking out campers right you've well, seen i was going to
2: say the one that i was actually there first hand for, for was when uh logger, logger waves yeah logger the waves rolled the truck the truck over. over. yeah you know and loaded he shows up, up, us and up now, that you know. night while we're having a get together and says hey this happened uh, and you said all right we'll be there at 6 a.m
3: yeah let's roll out let's get yeah. it done um, I got different friends that are loggers that cut trees and they say, hey, can you swing by and push a tree off a house for me with the, with an the excavator? Mm-hmm. Well, I can roll in with that thing, unload it, push a tree off the house, three-hour minimum, and hit on down the road, you know right. what I mean?
2: Bill's in
3: the mail. Bill's in the mail. Um, so... Would a 220 get the job done faster? Absolutely. But is it more profitable for me to do? Well, hell no, it's not.
2: Now, is there a place where a 220 may?
3: Absolutely. OK. If I was doing heavier work, say like Chris Let's Dig 18, right? where he's doing a lot lot more land clearing, bigger ponds, you know, loading out more haul trucks, right? there's a place for it. Absolutely there's a place for it. But it's not my business model. It's not what I do.
1: OK.
2: And so... you have
3: to know that. You have to understand that about your business. So
2: that goes back to the business plan. Exactly. Being pretty important.
3: Being pretty important. Okay.
2: So basically, what because we're, we're now going on 50 minutes into this. So what we've covered so far is that there's a lot of things that go on before you can ever even try to make a dollar. They all cost dollars. You're probably not going to have a good uh, relationship with your wife and family immediately.
3: You have to find a way to find the balance. Mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm not going to say I have found the balance yet, but over the last two years, I've been working really hard to find finding that balance.
2: You found the importance in finding the balance. I think.
3: Yeah, I understand. You know, my kids are getting older now and getting involved in more stuff, and they uh, demand more of my time, which rightfully so they should. You know, my shop's right here close to my house, and mm-hmm. and fortunately that allows me to have some time with them while I'm working. Mm-hmm. But that's why I made the changes two years ago because I knew the path I was on, it wasn't going to be good.
2: Right. So, you don't get to just clock out and leave your troubles
3: for tomorrow? Nope, not an option.
2: That just doesn't happen? We've been sitting
3: here doing this uh, podcast, and I've got uh, 15 messages. <laughs> and you like that? It's, it's I'm just used to it. Right. It, it is what it is.
2: But you would still prefer that over working corporate America?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because that's... You know, one last thing I want to hit on before we finish this up mm-hmm. is, you know, everybody everybody assumes if you're in business, you're rich. Right. Um, there was times I had in the construction business seven to eight employees, and I was in the construction business for ten years. Mm-hmm. I bet you eight of those ten years, I was the lowest paid guy on the payroll.
2: Right. And there's – you hear it all the time, people talking about this kind of thing where they haven't made a paycheck yet.
3: Yeah. That's, that's real. I'm, I'm – Fifteen years into business, I've had some good years and some bad years. Uh, I still do not have, um, from the business, I don't have a large nest egg of money that I've been able to accumulate. Mm -hmm. What I do have is a lot of assets. Right. And whether it be uh, buildings, property, equipment, um, some of them depreciate, some of them don't. But um, I... I haven't looked at the balance sheet, but I probably got between six and seven hundred thousand dollars of the assets that are paid for. Right. Stuff that I can either sell and put the money in the bank, or stuff I can go turn the key on
2: and make go money make money with. money with. And it's something that the bank can't come and take.
3: So if you're starting business and your goal is to be rich in two years, you're gonna you're gonna be extremely disappointed. Yeah. I'm not saying there's not a scenario out there with some home run thing, right? But if, but but that's not going to be the plan. It's going to take you five years of investing in the business to probably get to the point to where you can even think about drawing a serious paycheck from yeah. it. And, and I think
2: it's also important to define what rich is because that that changes personally. Ri- person. Rich
3: to me is not money. It's doing what I love to do. I am passionate about equipment. Um, that's my. <laughs> because you have more than one. <laughs> right on cue. Yeah. yeah. But uh, being rich to me is not having two million dollars in the bank. It's having right. enough money in the bank to have a comfortable living, which mm-hmm. we do. I mean, we we don't go out and fruitfully spend money and do stuff. But we um, we can we can go on vacation. We can get a new car. We can we can do stuff.
2: I always look at it like if I break my leg tomorrow. I can't go to work for five weeks. Is my family going to be able to eat? Yeah. That is not rich to anybody, but that's what I look for out of life. And my situation's a little different. I do have a nine to five. My nine to five is a little bit more in depth than most people's nine to five. I am not fortunate enough to be able to walk away from my job and leave my problems at the door. My phone rings just like yours does.
3: But you're a lot like me. It rings because they know you're the guy that'll answer.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I... I'm in a different position than a lot of people. I mean, I work, I have 30, now I have 39 pieces of equipment under me and they all range from $15,000 towable light plants to, you know, $9 million pieces of equipment that are built for specialized operations. And, and I'm the guy who takes care of these. Right, right. Um, so I have, to, I have to do a lot of the things that you were saying and this is one of the things, too, to consider about corporate America, which will be in a different podcast.
3: <laughs> but, you may have um, to put a muzzle on me for that one.
2: Yeah, we're going to have to. But, um, you know, I have to do all these things, and I don't get any real benefit from it.
3: Well, at the end of the day, one person makes one decision, you're out the door. Right. You're, you're and you, that's you don't the have, scary part. You don't have all these assets behind that you can go make money with or go sell and go do anything with. You're, thanks. Appreciate yeah, your time here.
2: Exactly, I, I'm I'm dedicating my life, my health, and my time that could be spent doing other things,
3: to somebody who just doesn't care. At, at the, the end, end of the day, day you're not controlling. You're comfortable, and you you can budget, but you're not controlling your destiny. Right. That's what it, that's that's what it comes down to.
2: So that's the biggest difference. Now, I also don't have the the liability that you have.
3: This is true. You know. I, will, I will halfway give it to you.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you would. Now I have <laughs> If anybody come
3: up with a business plan that eliminates all liability, that's a, that's a great plan. I right think we need, to, we need
2: to stop doing this kind of stuff. We're <laughs> together on that. So uh, we're, we're really approaching an hour now. You talk a lot. I know. We should probably wrap this one up. <laughs> all right, on to the next one. Do you remember the name of this thing? Uh, yeah, it's written right there. It's a few points from perfect. All right, until
3: next time. See you later.